Hello, welcome back. Keep shutting me down, man. They keep shutting me off. They don't want you to hear it. Trump just got grounded. He's permanently and definitely grounded. Uh -huh. The flight risk. His jet's been grounded. Uh -huh. 1.30 p.m. That's another hour away. Breaking Jack Smith spotted on video for the first time. Smith, how are you doing? Gary going back from NBC News here. Spotted what? An investigation evidence, sir. That was special counsel Jack Smith, and I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. NBC News saw Jack Smith walking into his office and got that video that we just played. Jack Smith did not answer any questions. Jack Smith has been handling his investigation quietly but methodically. But the video we just showed you is very important because it's frankly the first video we've seen of special counsel Jack Smith other than the photographs that we have been using here of Jack Smith uh, in Europe when he was a war crimes prosecutor. But in that video, special counsel Jack Smith walking into his office. We previously reported here on the Midas Touch Network that yesterday, special hero. counsel Jack Smith personally appeared at a meeting with three of Donald Trump's lawyers. Those lawyers included Jim Trusty, Lindsey Halligan, and John Rowley. The meeting at the Department of Justice offices yesterday between special counsel Jack Smith and his team and Donald Trump's lawyers lasted approximately two hours, and Donald Trump's lawyers then left looking like they saw a ghost. Their faces looked completely pale when they left the Department of Justice office building. We've been reporting a lot on some additional developments here as well. Yesterday we talked about how there was a second grand jury that we are aware of relating to the document case. So there are multiple grand juries investigating Donald Trump's crimes right now. But with respect to Donald Trump's theft of government records and obstruction of justice, we were always aware of the grand jury in Washington, D.C., where special counsel Jack Smith was presenting evidence to. But we now learned about a grand jury impaneled in southern Florida. We believe the reason that this grand jury has been impaneled in southern Florida and has been receiving information is for a criminal investigation and possible indictments of workers for Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago since there wouldn't be jurisdiction uh, in Washington, D.C. over those Florida residents. And so you'd have to open up a Florida grand jury uh, for those investigations if a witness uh, and someone who is likely a target, uh, for example, uh, Walt Nauta, Donald Trump's body man at the White House, sometimes referred to as a valet. He was also Donald Trump's personal aide after Donald Trump left office. But if someone like Walt Nauta, who worked at Mar-a-Lago, was saying, I am not going to appear in Washington, D.C. because you don't have jurisdiction over me, or you can't indict me out of a grand jury from Washington, D.C., 
the Department of Justice would open up another grand jury if uh, someone like Walt Nauter would not waive uh, any uh, infirmities in uh, jurisdiction as a potential defense. And so to be clear, the grand jury that is impaneled in uh, southern Florida would be out of the United States District Court in the southern uh, division of Florida, the southern district of Florida, rather. Um, so it's still a federal proceeding, of course. And I mentioned the name Walt Nauta there because that is the individual who was seen moving boxes uh, on surveillance footage the day before uh, the top counterintelligence official at the Department of Justice, Jay Platt, showed up at Mar-a-Lago on June 3rd. And uh, Walt Nauta was seen moving these classified boxes, classified records. And then from the reporting that we've been discussing, Walt Nauta initially lied about it to the Department of Justice and said that he had not moved any boxes, was unaware of anything relating to the classified records, and then it turned out he was on the surveillance footage moving the boxes. He's not believed to be cooperating. So to me, that explains why you have this grand jury in the Southern District of uh, Florida. Uh, one of the other big pieces of news we reported about is that Special Counsel Jack Smith learned that the maintenance worker uh, by the name of Carlos de Oliveria, who was helping Walt now to move those boxes on June 2nd, the day before the Department of Justice arrived. Carlos de Oliveria, the same maintenance worker who in July was apparently asking uh, the IT people at Mar-a-Lago how the surveillance footage works, uh, and IT workers by the name of Yusel Tavares, um, Carlos Diovario is believed to have drained the pool, he claims, accidentally into the office where uh -huh. the surveillance footage was being kept in October of 2022 at or around the time Merrick Garland, who was still leading the investigation at that time, issued a subpoena for uh, additional surveillance footage. And so that is being probed as potential obstructive conduct. Now, with Special Counsel Jack Smith walking to his office in Washington, D.C., and obviously um, being far more visible than he was before, you have Donald Trump responding just how you would think he would be responding. Donald Trump writes, election interference, exclamation point, exclamation point, don't let it happen. They are also going after me as retribution for the Republicans in Congress, going after them. The difference is they have created major crimes. I have created them. I mean, this is traitor is a freaking maniac also. Donald Trump writes, it's all about election interference. By the way, he all wrote, he wrote all of this today, right around the time we saw special counsel Jack Smith for the first time. It's all about election interference. They don't want to run against me. I ran twice. I did much better the second time. Blah, 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 blah. Getting millions and millions of more votes than the first. A record for a sitting president. And then leading Biden in the polls by a lot. They are a party of disinformation. Blah, 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 blah. They are using the DOJ and FBI against me to rig the 24 elections. Just like a white, so freaking 
widened. They'll hit Hunter with something small to make their strike on me with no fair. Nothing about these fascists is fair or honest. Also, it's all projection with these MAGA Republicans. Here's another one. He wrote, the Marxists and fascists in the DOJ and FBI are going after me at a level and speed never seen before in our country, and I did nothing wrong. Joe Biden kept keeps thousands of documents in many locations, some illegally taken from skips. <laughs> skips while he was a senator, a big portion of which were classified. He didn't want to give them back. It's the president, blah, 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 blah. Trump hater, the Trump hater this, Trump hater that. And what are these mega Republicans going to actually talk about the American people? The legal process is going to play itself out, right? the end of the day, Special Counsel Jack Smith, I believe, is going to indict. The case will be heard by a jury. I know that MAGA Republicans don't like to accept the process of law and order, but it will go in front of a jury. A jury will make a decision. Donald Trump can uh, put forward all of the defenses that he has. But it's time we as a nation talk about issues that matter to the American people. And all the MAGA Republicans are doing, and I'm going to do a hit on this in a little bit. I'll do a story on it. You got Jim Jordan sending letters to Merrick Garland asking for the identity of all of the prosecutors and trying to interfere with Special Counsel Jack Smith's investigation. It's like, it's, in, it's humiliating and embarrassing what the modern-day Republican Party has become, that they stand behind someone like Donald Trump. But on the plus side, you got Special Counsel Jack Smith there he is. That's the first, the first video we've seen of Special Counsel Jack Smith. There we'll just show it to you. Hey, there, Mr. Smith. How are you doing? Gary Grum back from NBC News here. Hey, is an indictment coming soon, sir? Is an investigation wrapping up, sir? I'm Ben Micellis from the Mighty Steps Network. Have a great day. Hit subscribe. Uh, check us out at Patreon and wherever you get audio podcasts. Subscribe. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Right. Pretty cool. Like, probably filing to uh, indict. Let's hope he was filing to indict. Yeah. <laughs> Rare animal.
So breaking federal judge issues, devastating ruling for Georgia. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch George Network, Santa and this is a breaking here. news alert. A federal magistrate judge from the Eastern District of New York has just issued an order that the identities of the suretors and the proceedings relating to the suretors who posted $500,000 in bail for disgraced MAGA Republican Congress member George Santos that their identities be released. Nah. George Santos was given until June 9th, 2023 to file. Who do you think it is? I think it's going to be Harlan Dylan, what's her? Harlan Crow. Harlan Crow and um, Steve Bannon an appeal to this order. The order itself is under seal, but we have the docket entry. This comes from Magistrate Judge Ann Y. Shields. Here is the order that just issued. For the reasons contained in the attached order, the motions to unseal the identities of the suretors who signed the bond for defendant's pretrial release, filed herein at docket entries 13 and 14, are granted to allow defendant, George Santos, to appeal this ruling to the district court. The clerk of the court is directed to maintain the attached decisions and all previously sealed documents, including this bond, under seal. Any appeal of this order must be filed by noon on Friday, June 9, 2023, so ordered by Magistrate Judge Ann Y. Shields, dated June 6, 2023. Just to give you a sense of the federal procedure here, the Magistrate Judge, Judge Ann Y. Shields, she would normally preside over things like the arraignment, over the posting of a bond, over hearings related to the posting of bonds, hearings relating to the execution of search warrants, signing search warrants. Those are tasks of the magistrate judge. Ultimately, there would be an Article Three federal judge who's presiding over this case. And so what Judge Ann Y. Shields is saying here is that George Santos would still have an opportunity to appeal this ruling to the district court judge from the Eastern District of New York presiding over his criminal case. Um, however, I don't think that has any chance of succeeding, and the deadline for George Santos to file that is June 9th of 2023. So let's rewind for a second to remember how we got here. George Santos was indicted on multiple felony counts for lying to Congress, engaging in wire fraud, and engaging in fraud relating to the accepting unemployment benefits when he was not unemployed. Uh, there was a $500,000 bond that was posted to bail him out. The identities of the suretors who posted the bond remained under seal. They petitioned to keep their names confidential, and until that is challenged, it remained under seal. 
but last month it was challenged by the New York Times, the Washington Post, and several other media outlets that said, under the First Amendment, we have an absolute right to have this information. Right Good job. This is a public proceeding. Finally. George uh, Santos is a member of the uh, House of Representatives, which he disgraces every single day, but he is uh, in a public position funded by taxpayers. The central issues here involve George Santos continuing to lie, continuing to hide the sources of his money. So the fact that he got $500,000 in a bond posted by three anonymous individuals is of additional public concern. And so that was the argument by the media interveners. Judge Ann Y. Shields, Magistrate Judge Ann Y. Shields, gave George Santos the opportunity to respond uh, to the media interveners. Uh, George Santos' response was due last Friday. He asked for an extension of time so his lawyers can try to find a case law that supports his position. Um, he asked to have until Monday by, by 5 p.m. Eastern time. I think he missed that deadline, but his lawyer ultimately filed this letter brief. And that's how you do it in the Eastern District of New York and in the Southern District of New York. You file these letter briefs in case you're curious. Why would they send a letter? That's the format. But here is what George Santos's lawyer said in the letter brief trying to oppose the releasing of the names of the shorters. George Santos wanted to keep that a secret. Um, here's what his lawyer said. Here, in the instant case, the sureters are likely to suffer great distress, may lose their jobs, and God forbid, may suffer physical injury. There is little doubt that the sureters will suffer some unnecessary form of retaliation if their identities and employment are revealed, mm -hmm. you need only to look at the declaration attached here too, as Exhibit A and other exhibits containing various threats made to Representative Santos, members of his staff, and even your undersign, referring to the lawyer. The fact that someone emailed me my own letter party. back to me soon after I filed it with the court tells us that they're just ready and waiting to pounce. A few hours later on Friday, June 2nd, 2023, I received a call wherein a male voice just shouted what sounded like, who paid Santos bond? Again, they are just waiting to pounce on these sureties. This is what the lawyer's letter to the to the judge. This was the argument that they were trying to make that was filed yesterday. Um, in conclusion, Representative Santos' case has become what the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has referred to a heater case that involves a similar media frenzy. If this court is so inclined to unseal the sureties, we truly feel for we truly fear for their health, safety, and well-being. In fact, if the sureters are required to be identified, we respectfully request that the court allow the sureters notice before the court releases their information so they could withdraw as co-signers on the bond. And Representative Santos and I will appear before Your Honor forthwith. My client would rather surrender to pretrial detainment then subject these sureters to what will inevitably come. For the aforementioned reason, we respectively submit the motion 
that the motion to unseal should be denied. Well, uh, Magistrate Judge Ann Y. Shields rejected this letter by George Santos and George Santos's lawyers. And I like that George Santos' lawyers said, my client, George Santos, would rather surrender to pretrial detainment than subject these sureters to what will inevitably come. How much do you want to bet that this is another George Santos lie? Let's see if he actually surrenders himself to pre-trial detainment instead of these names being released. And so ultimately here, this legal strategy, if you want to even call it that, uh, by George Santos and his lawyer, backfired doubly because now not only are the sureter's names going to be released, but here you have George Santos also saying that he would rather surrender himself to pretrial detainment. You know, the fact that he's saying that he would rather do that doesn't mean the judge is going to be like, well, I guess I can't release the name of the sureters now. I, I, I guess we're going to have to make a deal all of a sudden. No, these individuals put their name on public court documents. The damage was done. These individuals knew that George Santos was and is a traitor. They know that George Santos is a complete and, and utter fraud. They know the damage every traitors. day that George Santos is causing to our democracy and the mockery he is Thanks making of the United Republican States of America. Party. And knowing that, these three individuals said, we are going to put our names on a bond. We will deliver this bond in a public proceeding in a courtroom where things are generally public. Knowing that, they made that move. It was temporarily kept confidential, and now it is being released. The fact that George Santos says he would rather go to jail than have these names released doesn't freaking matter. What matters is they did it in a public forum, and we the people deserve transparency. We deserve the truth, and I know MAGA Republicans want to live in this Russia-style kangaroo court, whatever. That is not our justice system. And fortunately, frauds like George Santos are learning that now. So what happens next? We will see if George Santos essentially files what would be a challenge, if you will, to the magistrate judge's order, to the district court presiding over the same case. District court presides kind of over the magistrate judge. So we'll see if George Santos challenges it there. I don't believe at all the district court judge is going to overturn or overrule uh, what the magistrate judge did here. Potentially, George Santos can try to appeal to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. I'm not fully sure that his lawyer, this Joseph Murray, who wrote this ridiculous letter, is even capable of filing an appeal based on the horrible work that I'm seeing in this letter, um, setting aside that he's got a horrible client. But we will get these names soon. So nah. buckle up. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. Thanks for your support. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. Hit subscribe. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. To keep up with the most... Okay, let's guess... Fronted the bail...
I guess Harlan Crow. <laughs> And or let's try to guess who fronted bail for. <laughs> That's my guess. Remember how we got here. George Santos was indicted on multiple felony counts for lying to Congress, engaging in wire fraud, and engaging in fraud relating to the accepting unemployment benefits when he was not unemployed. Uh, there was a 500... June 9th, 2023, so ordered by Magistrate Judge Ann Y. Shields, dated June 6th of 2023. Just to give you a sense of the federal think, procedure here, the Magistrate Judge, Judge Ann Y. Shields, she would normally preside... over things like the arraignment, over the posting of a bond, over hearings related to the posting of bonds, yeah, hearings relating to the execution of search warrants, signing search warrants, those are tasks of the magistrate judge. Ultimately, there would be an Article Three federal judge who's presiding over this case. And so what Judge Ann Y. Shields is saying here is that George Santos would still have an opportunity to appeal this ruling to the district court judge from the... We should do that. Eastern District of New York presiding over his criminal case. Um, however, I don't think that has any chance of succeeding. And the deadline for George Santos to file that is June 9th of 2023. So let's rewind for a second to remember how we got here. George Santos.
Santos was indicted on multiple felony counts for lying to Congress, engaging in wire fraud, and engaging in fraud relating to the accepting unemployment benefits when he was not unemployed. Unemployment uh, fraud, welfare fraud, welfare cheat. Was posted to bail him out. The George Santos the is a, a welfare queen. Remain <laughs> under seal. They petition to keep their names confidential, and until that is challenged. Oh, Al, that's a great business idea for you. I mean, it remained under seal. But last month, it was challenged by the New York Times, the Washington Post, and several oh, other media outlets that said, under the First Amendment, <laughs> we have an absolute right to have this information. This is a public proceeding. George uh, Santos is a member of the uh, House of Representatives, which he disgraces every single day, but he is uh, in a public position funded by taxpayers. The central issues here involve George Santos continuing to lie. Flush him like a big smelly turd. So Out of the office. fact that he got $500,000. in a bond posted by three anonymous individuals is of additional public concern. What? And so that was the argument by the media interveners. Judge Ann Y. Shields, Magistrate Judge Ann Y. Shields, gave George Santos the opportunity to respond uh, to the media interveners. Uh, George Santos' response was due last Friday. He asked for an extension of time so his lawyers can try to find uh, case law that supports his position. Um, he asked to have until Monday by, by 5 p.m. Eastern time. I think he missed that deadline, but his lawyer ultimately filed this letter brief. That's how you do it in the Eastern District of New York and in the Southern District of New York. You file these letter briefs in case you're curious. Why would they send a letter? That's the format. Um, but here is what George Santos's lawyer said in the letter brief <laughs> trying to oppose the releasing of the names of the shorters. Uh, George Santos wanted to keep that a secret. Um, here's what his lawyer said. Here, in the instant case, the shorters are likely to suffer great distress, <laughs> may lose their jobs, and God forbid, may suffer physical injury. There is little doubt that the shorters will suffer some unnecessary form of retaliation if their identities and employment are revealed, you need only to look at the declaration attached here too, as Exhibit A and other exhibits containing various threats made to Representative Santos, members of his staff, and even your undersign, referring to the lawyer. The fact that someone emailed me 
my own letter back to me soon after I filed it with the court tells us that they're just ready and waiting to pounce. A few hours later, on Friday, June 2nd, 2023, I received a call wherein a male voice just shouted what sounded like, Who paid Santos bond? Again, <laughs> they are just waiting to pounce on these sureties. This is what the lawyer's letter says. Sounds judge. like the argument that George Santos is just dictating that was filed yesterday. Um, in conclusion... Representative Santos' case has become what the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has referred to a heater case that involves a similar media frenzy. If this court is so inclined to unseal the sureties, we truly feel for we truly fear for their health, safety, and well-being. In fact, if the yeah. sureters are required to be identified, we respectfully request that the court allow the sureters notice before the court releases their information so they could withdraw as co-signers on the bond and Representative Santos, Santos and I will appear before queen. your honor forthwith. My client would rather surrender to pretrial detainment than subject these sureters to what will inevitably both? come. For the aforementioned <laughs> reason, we respectively submit the motion that the motion to unseal should be denied. Well, a Magistrate Judge Anne Y. Shields rejected this letter by George Santos and George mm -hmm. Santos's lawyers. And I like that George Santos' lawyers said, my client, George Santos, would rather surrender to pretrial detainment then subject these sureters to what will inevitably come. How much do you want to bet that this is another George Santos lie? Let's see if he actually surrenders himself to pre-trial detainment instead of these names being released. And so ultimately here, this legal strategy, if you want to even call it that, uh, by George Santos and his lawyer <laughs> backfired doubly because now not only are the sureters' names going to be released, <laughs> but here you have George Santos also saying that he would rather surrender himself to pretrial detainment. You know, the fact that he's saying that he would rather do that doesn't mean the judge is going to be like, well, I guess I can't really... Reveal who bailed him out. Lock him up and It's the name of the sureters now. I, I, I guess we're going to have to make a deal all of a sudden. No, these individuals put their name on public court documents. The damage was done. These individuals knew that George Santos was and is a traitor. <laughs> they know that George Santos is a complete and utter fraud. They know the damage every day that George Santos is causing to our democracy and the mockery he is making of the United States of America. And knowing that, 
these three individuals said, we are going to put our names on a bond. We will deliver this bond in a public proceeding in a courtroom where things are generally public. Knowing that, they made that move. It was temporarily kept confidential, and now it is being released. The fact that George Santos says he would rather go to jail than have these names released doesn't freaking matter. What matters is they did it in a public forum, and we the people deserve transparency. We deserve the truth, and I know MAGA Republicans want to live in this ah, Russia-style kangaroo court, whatever. That is not huh. our justice system, and fortunately, frauds like George Santos are learning that now. So, what happens next? We will see if George Santos essentially files what would be a challenge, if you will, to the magistrate judge's order, to the district court presiding over the same case. District Court presides kind of over the magistrate judge, so we'll see if George Santos challenges it there. I don't believe at all the district court judge is going to overturn or overrule uh, what the magistrate judge did here. Potentially, George Santos can try to appeal to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. I'm not fully sure that his lawyer, this Joseph Murray, who wrote this ridiculous letters even capable of filing an appeal based on the horrible work that I'm seeing in this letter, um, setting aside that he's got a horrible client, but we will get these names soon. So buckle up. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. Thanks for your support. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. Hit subscribe. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
Bart. Bloody Rail Right. Antichrist and Religious Right. <clears throat> okay. That was on Instagram. Okay, release the name Traders. Haha. <laughs> Waiting, oh man. Breaking. We're all caught up. That's all this stuff. It's coming out one day ago. New prosecution memo outlines Trump's massive crimes. This is Michael Popak legally up with another hot take. I have no doubt that Jack Smith has either finished the prosecution memo that he's required to prepare to recommend the indictment of Donald Trump for the Mar a Lago document espionage and obstruction case. Or he's about to. And and we know it, and I know it, from the series of data points in the last couple of weeks, including strategic leaking by the prosecutor to put pressure on withholding and holdout witnesses like Donald Trump's personal valet, personal assistant, Walt Nauda, involved literally with every movement of boxes and documents in and around Mar-a-Lago, right, to play a shell game against not only Donald Trump's own lawyer, Evan Corcoran, responsible for the delivery of the documents back to the government, right? Lying to him and then hiding the documents ultimately from the Department of Justice and the FBI. Donald Trump's just looking at the fact pattern that will be part of the analysis in what's called the PROS memo, P-R-O-S, P-R-O-S memo. It starts from almost the moment that Donald, before the moment that Donald Trump left the White House. There, there is evidence, of course, that he was given a memo by his own staff while he was still in the White House that told him how to declassify documents if we're even talking about classified documents. Now, at the heart of the Espionage Act, it doesn't matter whether the documents are classified or top secret. Let me repeat, it doesn't matter. The hundred classified and top secret documents are just one part of an entire pool of documents, 13,000 in number, that Donald Trump took with him, many of which relate to national defense information, national defense material. That is the definition of what drives the espionage statute, not top secret and classified. And so you may be able to declassify something, but you can't un-national defense information it. You can't convert a document that is national defense into something that it's not. So that line of defense is out. But Donald Trump got that memo before he left the White House. After he left the White House, he had another. He had a lawyer involved with, quote, unquote, negotiating the return of the required documents that he held only because at the time he was president of the United States, the people's documents. They, never, they were never his to keep. They always needed to be returned. But his first effort in transaction because he's always commercial and transactional, Donald Trump, what can I get in return, was to have his lawyer at the time tell the National Archive that he'll give back the documents that belong to the American people, including national defense information documents, and the highest level of top secret and classified if they give him the Russia uh, 2016 investigation material. And then, he, then when That's that didn't treason work, right there. he... he, he uh, told his lawyer at the time to lie to the National Archive and tell him that all documents had already been returned when he knew or should have known there were 13,000 at that point sitting at Mar-a-Lago. 
that. All of this is the beginning of the crime. Or as Chief Judge Beryl Howell, who, who, who at the time oversaw all things grand jury in District of Columbia said, this was Donald Trump's dress rehearsal to see what he could get away with for the criminality, the likely criminality of how he handled, hid, obstructed, and secreted these documents. It started with his quote unquote negotiations through lawyers with the National Archive. Right? So there were a couple of lawyers at the White House that were like, you gotta turn these documents back. I don't know what you're doing. And then they bailed out. Like, we're, we're not we're not touching this is radioactive. We're not Donald Trump's acting weird about documents that don't belong to him. We're out. And then he gets the Mar-a-Lago. And these boxes end up there, maybe Bedminster Golf Course that he also owns, or spread out among all the other Trump properties. To this moment, we really don't know. And so that's what Jack Smith's Mar-a-Lago investigation is looking at. The lying to lawyers is one of the easiest things to prove now that attorney-client privilege has been stripped away from Donald Trump and all these, all these uh, lawyers have had to testify, turn over their notes, turn over their tape recordings and musings directly to the adversary in this, for Donald Trump, the prosecutor. So what are the crimes that Jack Smith is typing away, this is my artist rendering of Jack Smith two-finger typing, uh, his prosecution memo, his pros memo. Well, fortunately, we have a band, a group, a brace, I don't know what you call the group of pro former prosecutors, but a group of former prosecutors, um, you know, Norm Eisen, Danya Perry, and others, really top names, who decided, you know what, we got some time in our hands, we'll write a model prosecution memo for the prosecution team and the public to pull it all together. It's much like what the RAND Institute did during the Jan 6th committee, where they basically wrote a shadow Jan 6th report based on what they had seen and the recommended indictments um, and criminal referrals that the Jan 6th committee could ultimately make. And, and it matched. If you go back in time and look at the Jan 6th report and the RAND report, it's pretty close. Here, similarly, you have uh, former top-line heads of divisions at the highest level of the Department of Justice creating a 150-page prosecution memo. You can get it online. If you go on my Twitter feed, I'll post it there at the top and I'll pin it off this hot take. You can take a look yourself, but I've done it for you and I'll try to report back what I saw. This is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LegalAF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LegalAF. In the 150 pages, they went through all of the publicly reported evidence that's already leaked out over the last two years about Mar-a-Lago. All the lawyers who've gone in, all the White House aides that have gone in, all of the leaked testimony from those people, and all the other investigative reporting that's happened. And they got a pretty good timeline, starting from before he left, Trump left the White House, all the way through the, um, not only the, the search warrant execution in August, but beyond that, last August, but beyond that, what he's been doing now, at this moment, most prosecutors at FBI think he's still hiding documents somewhere in one of his properties, likely Bedminster. So they, they looked at that timeline, the lies he told to Evan Corcoran, the lies he told to Tim Parlatori, his other lawyer who's gotten out, the use of Walt Nauta 
to move documents under the watchful eye of a Trump video camera, now turned over with its video to the government, with timestamps showing these movements of documents before the meeting with the FBI that Evan Corcoran arranged and after, that they were spoon-feeding Trump, spoon-feeding documents to Evan Corcoran in a, in a room. You go look in the storage room. Don't look at Daddy's desk. Don't look in Daddy's office. That's, that's off-limits to you, Evan Corcoran. Yet Evan Corcoran signed a document to the federal government that said he did a diligent search, and this is the documents, these 34 pages that they found. When he knew or should have known, there were 13,000 in total, including 100 of the highest-level national security documents that a country can possess. What are the crimes? We know the facts. I mean, we're no, nobody's going to be shocked when the prosecution memo is publicized and ultimately ends up in an indictment about the facts that led to the indictment. We know most of them, but it will all be tied together in one indicting document, along with at least four different crimes, which is what the model prosecution memo says. One of them, we've talked about Espionage Act, 18 U.S.C. 793 in the federal statutes, mishandling of government records, and the records are National Defense Information Documents, NDI, not top secret classified. It doesn't matter what classification they had or no classification. If they relate to the national defense, and you withhold them, use them, hide them, and don't turn it back upon demand, you've committed Espionage Act and a crime. Period. Two, concealing government records. 18 U.S.C. 2071 is exactly what it sounds like. And he does it, and he does it willfully, meaning with criminal intent. Three, obstruction. If you go back and listen to Merrick Garland's press conference announcing Jack Smith's appointment just seven months ago, he must have used the word obstruction about six or eight times, signaling to the world what the focus of the investigation was. And, and so we have that 18 U.S.C. 1519, and then criminal contempt, and that's what it sounds like. Trump and his people were under court order by way of a search warrant, a subpoena, those are court orders, magistrate orders, and other turnover of document orders that they violated, that they flouted. That is what we call in the business contumacious conduct, right? Which is conduct that is at the at core a contempt of court. And at this level, it's a criminal contempt of court which is itself an individual and independent crime, punishable in prison. And then you've got a false statement to a federal authority, which is the strongest tool, the most used tool in a federal prosecutor's toolbox in his arsenal. It's false statement, 18 U.S.C. 1001. We call it the 1001 indictment because this captures so much bad conduct because when they're caught and they're interviewed, these people lie, try to lie their way out of it. And each one of those lies is a crime. And so you have that with Donald Trump every time he talks about, in a lying fashion, all of those things. So that's what we have. We have concealment. We've got intent. right? We've got perjury. We've got his own lawyers now saying that he had to comply with the Presidential Records Act and return them, and that they told him so. Lawyers who in the last month, two weeks, have departed Donald Trump, but went on, went on a, a, a news junkie tour, like on CNN, 
and said that they were obstructed and interfered with in their ability to collect documents for Donald Trump by Donald Trump's closest current aide, Boris Epstein. This is the prosecution memo that we will see come out of Jack Smith. And if it ain't next week, it'll be the week after and certainly in June before Fawnie Willis, Fawnie Willis in Georgia, brings her large racketeering conspiracy racketeering case also against Donald Trump. That's not going to be until the end of July, beginning of August. Case. That's how much time, if Jack Smith wants to get out of the chute first and get out of the gate first to assert federal jurisdiction over um, these types of crimes, like Mar-a-Lago and Jan 6 and election interference, he's got from now first week in June until the until maybe the third week in July. But Mar-a-Lago, based on all the things that I could see and all the current leaks to pressure witnesses and Donald Trump himself from the prosecutor's office and the departure of his lawyers, Tim Parlatori one day, Evan Corcoran the other, all responsible one time for Mar-a-Lago, while Jim Trustee, his current uh, lawyer, hangs on for dear life, writing ridiculous one page, one paragraph letters to Merrick Garland trying to stop the Mar-a-Lago investigation and turn it back on Joe Biden, which was the height of, of ridiculousness, the height of didn't pass the straight face test. You got he's he's the only competent lawyer left that represents Donald Trump, who also Jim Trustee has a relationship, a prior relationship with Jack Smith, dating back to them being friends in the Department of Justice. But all of his credibility is on a daily and hourly basis being shredded because of his conduct and representing this particular client. And so we will see how closely the model template prosecution memo prepared by Norm Eisen, Daniel Perry, and others that just got released yesterday, how, how closely it matches the actual prosecution memo that we're going to see and talk about on hot takes just like this one that I do about every day on the Midas Touch Network. And on Wednesdays and Saturdays, I co-founded and co-anchor the leading podcast devoted to the intersection of U.S. law and politics, Legal AF. You can get it on YouTube on the Midas Touch Network, and you can also get it wherever you get your audio podcast on every platform. If you like what I'm doing, you can do uh, a thumbs up. It helps. It helps with the content and the quality of the content and keeping these this content coming to you on a regular basis. Leave a comment. I've been known to jump into the comments, and we can have, we can open a dialogue together. And if you like what I'm doing personally, you can follow me on all yeah, things social bad, media at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram at Midas well, Touch. Just to Keep maybe up with you're the most doing it, about it all wrong. Maybe you should be sending them a message on Patreon. Well, that's a, that's a good idea. Just, uh, yeah, I'm just brimming full of them. How glorious it is to be me. <laughs> okay, anyway. <clears throat> um, TCC, dead sailing, alas. Um, okay. Okay, um, (coughs) 
rides. Yeah, I should be sending more messages and stuff. Like, ask DOJ. Ask DOJ. It's already in here. At usdoj.gov. Wrote it on my desk. My other one. She's alright. She's alright. That girl's alright with me. Yeah. <laughs> girl's alright with me. One month ago, caught a uh, politics girl. Oh man. Ron DeSantis caught in most fascist scheme yet. Politics gal. And if this guy is really in his party plans to coalesce behind, once Trump is out of the picture, we like politics, politics. Then we need to be clear-eyed about what the Republican Party not only supports in Florida, but would unleash on the entire country. Politics, politics girl. We like politics, 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 girl. Hello, and welcome to the Politics Girl <laughs> podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Almost two years ago, I did a rant in my kitchen about how the Republicans were beta testing fascism in Florida. I compared Ron DeSantis to one of those raptors in Jurassic Park, the ones who test the fence for weaknesses. I said, if you were paying attention, you could see that Ron was seeing how far he could push things before he got pushed back. And now, if you look at what's happening in Florida, you can see that they found a fair amount of weaknesses in democracy's fence. So I thought today we would take some time to talk about what's going on in Florida. The warning signs we should be aware of, the legislation that's being jammed through, and the man leading it all, who, despite his complete lack of personality and interest Run in democracy, is at the top of the GOP list for President of the United States, right under their twice-impeached, criminally-indicted ex-president, who, for reasons unknown, still remains their front-runner. With all the terrible, harmful bills passing in red states across the country, the ones that limit our votes and our human rights and lead hard into the culture wars that Republicans use so strategically <laughs> to distract Wrong us from the complete lack of policy or ability to solve problems, Florida, despite Texas and now Tennessee's best efforts, remains top of the list for violating citizens' rights and calling it freedom. DeSantis's slogan for Florida is, Freedom Lives Here. But much like the Republicans saying they're the party of pro-life or the party of law and order, the truth is almost the exact opposite. Yes, you Dan are absolutely free to do on. almost think, anything uh, you want to do in Florida right now. if what you want to do... Hi, politics, gal. Politics, 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 gal. We like politics, 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 gal. So what I'm going to do is uh, make songs for all the other people in the Mindsteps network. Mandarin Mussolini meets justice live. <laughs> I'm all for that. 
However, if you read the actual complaint, it is fraught with bogus allegations, with the most vicious and vitriolic statements that a person could put into a complaint designed to attract media attention to attack me individually. It's not about the case. It was all about it was all about me. Mean girls. It was like um the Burton book. Ron the fascist exclamation point. And now as we respond to it the statements and legitimate terminology used in order to, you know, counter the you know the complaint and to move to dismiss uh you know some of these uh, causes of action that are frivolous he doesn't like the term frivolous which is crazy because that's the statement that needs to be pled in order for a judge to make a determination whether or not that cause of action remains you know gets dismissed with or without prejudice and or gets required to be repled by counsel right that's that's the term that you use frivolous frivolity etc he doesn't like that statement he doesn't like the use of that term and i really don't think that the judge is going to take kindly to the you know behavior and the actions of um you know plaintiff and plaintiff's counsel the terms that you used frivolous vexatious those are the same terms that a federal judge, Judge Middlebrooks, in the same district, in the Southern District of Florida, used in sanctioning Donald Trump and Alina Haba close to $1 million a few months back, calling Donald Trump's lawsuit frivolous, calling him a vexatious litigant, calling him what a federal judge has said in an opinion sanctioning Donald Trump. You mentioned... Ben, if you read the complaint, it is scattershot. And the term scattershot, of course, referring to like what you would do if you were holding a shotgun, right? Where it just sprays out. And that's what they did. It's the proverbial, you know, throwing the pasta on the wall and seeing what sticks. That's all that they did. And it's not a it's not a high temperatured um, terminology that's used. It was a scattershot lawsuit that was, you know, um, just ham-fisted, which is exactly what it is. Oh, he doesn't like these terms. Well, why don't you go back to the complaint and start reading some of the things that you stated in this complaint that required us to respond back to the nonsensical, you know, causes of action and environments that you claim in this complaint. At the same time, Donald Trump's lawyer is in federal court in the Southern District of Florida saying, Cohen, please, man, tone it down, Cohen, tone it down. This is what he's posting on his social media platform, presumably about you. I mean, the ranting and ravings of a lunatic here, I can barely even decipher what he's talking about. I mean, let's break this down for a second. Let, let, wow. let, me, let me read right. it. And then can you imagine this? Wow. Legal experts are saying, you want to read it in Donald Trump's yeah. voice? Yeah. Oh, 
Could you imagine legal experts are saying that D.A. Alvin Bragg will be immediately forced to drop his weak and disparaged case against Trump, of course, third person, because his top investigator, Jeremy Rosenberg, corruptly colluded with a disgraced, disbarred, and convicted felon and perjurer in attempting to frame me with a crime that doesn't even exist. You know, there is not a single word in that sentence this that is accurate. It's truly incredible to me. First of all, yeah, I am disbarred. So there is a term, um, you know, that, and convicted felon, yeah, you know, perjurer. All right, maybe this if that's the way that he wants to play it. That has nothing Cooper, to do with this. You don't know what that is talking about. When it comes to Jeremy Rosenberg, I mean, yeah. this whole thing is pure and utter bullshit and nonsense. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing to do. It had nothing to do with, with Donald. I have no idea, to be very honest with you, Ben. I didn't even know what this was even about. I, I found this out the same time that everybody else did when it hit the press. I mean, this is... I, I, so if these are apparently accusations against you and you clearly not only do not understand it, but like have no clue of even the realm within which this is even potentially exists in even as a conspiracy theory. When I read it, I mean, I assume that that's how he disparages you. So, but I'm like, I have no clue what in the world he is talking about. And here's the issue. These MAGA Republicans are funneling some of the most bizarre and dangerous conspiracy theories each and every day. They're not living in the reality. They are living in their fascistic dystopia where they are trying to just destroy people's lives each and every day. I mean... You know, we, we talked about this yesterday on the podcast with James Comer, who's saying that he wants to hold Christopher Ray, the FBI director who was appointed by Donald Trump. Christopher Ray is a Republican and James Comer, the Republicans want to hold Christopher Ray in contempt because Christopher Ray had showed them a document that was laundered through Rudy Giuliani from a foreign asset. That is a baseless allegation that even Bill Barr rejected. It is a discredited allegation, but to the James Comers and the MAGA Republicans, they now want to say, well, actually, the FBI source here is a very credible. After disparaging the FBI, they go, this FBI source that has this information is very credible. It's not the issue of the FBI source. It's the person who told the FBI agent the information. It's a false allegation funneled through Giuliani, and they just want to defame and disparage it, make crap up every single day. So here, look, one of the things that at least you and our brigaders and those that follow me on social media or Mea Culpa podcast or wherever, one thing that you know about me, I'm not into this bullshit. I'm not into letting Donald have the last nasty word when it comes to any of this shit. So one of the funnier ones that I put out on my social media, on Twitter uh, and elsewhere, but specifically on Twitter, Salty, if you got it, yeah, two can play this game. That's coming from the draft-dodging, golf-cheating, king of Chapter 11s, twice-impeached, one-term, civilly liable, sex-offending, and criminally indicted, more to come, Mandarin Mussolini. Your statement about me means nothing. Have a wonderful day. Right? You know, I can only imagine when 
you know, those that are around him, because what they do is they then, you know, follow me and then they will print this out and say, Donald, 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 look at what Mike Cohen said. Look what Mike Cohen said about you. As they hand him the piece of paper showing this, I can assure you everything that I said in there is accurate. All right. And we all know it's accurate because that's exactly what we see every day in the news. Right. And I'm sure I missed a few. Right. So if Anybody knows of a few more that I need to add? No problem. That'll be in my next round. But I'm not going to sit back and be a punching bag to this piece of shit. Fuck that. No chance. You know what? You want to play that game? You want to sit there, oh, convicted perjurer? Yeah, fuck nut. How about the fact that I was a convicted perjurer because you, Jay Sekulow, Abby Lowell, Ty Cobb, Ivanka, Jared, etc. Everybody sat there and they all worked on this statement that I gave to the Senate permanent select committee and let me not forget to remind everybody once again because i will continue to say it over and over and over again until everybody knows it the same way that i do off the top of your tongue that what i what i lied to congress about what made me into a convicted perjurer was the number of times that i told the permanent the senate permanent select committee on intelligence how many times i spoke to donald about the failed Trump Tower Moscow real estate project. I stated in my statement, the number three, that I told Donald, I talked to Donald about it three times because that's the number that he wanted, a de minimis number, when the, in fact, the true answer was the two of us spoke about it 10 times. That's what caused the perjury, um, you know, the conviction uh, where I pled you know, to lying under a 1,001 violation. All right. If that makes me a perjurer, yeah, at least I'm not civilly liable for sexual assault with more to come and more indictments that, you know, literally coming down the pipe. And here's the thing, like these lies in this MAGA Republican quest for power. I mean, it has real world consequences. This is life or death stuff. I mean, I think many of us were waking up to this news that Russia had destroyed a dam in Ukraine and caused serious flooding, a major humanitarian disaster. And this, at the same time, you have MAGA Republicans funneling in Vladimir Putin disinformation about President Biden giving comfort to Vladimir Putin. And this is you have Donald Trump at this so-called town hall that he held uh, as well over the past few days where he basically called for this is what he says about NATO. I won't try to characterize him. Just watch what he says here. Play this clip. In the meantime, we're paying for most of NATO. So they took advantage of us on trade. I got them. First of all, I traded a lot of the trade things are much different now, but it would have been really much different. COVID interrupted us, unfortunately, but it was going to be much different. We did a good job in trade. But more importantly, we got them to pay hundreds of billions of dollars. And, you know, the money that we got... That money went to, this is why they have money right now in NATO, to fight Russia. They have money. They didn't have any money. They were going bust. NATO was going to break up. Now, as to whether or not it should break up, you know, let's not talk about that. But we were spending money on NATO to protect Europe, and they were taking advantage of us on trade. When I... 
You know, and it's particularly... Sean Hannity sit there and not just laugh. That there's not one part of that statement that is actually accurate. He didn't find hundreds of billions of dollars, right, in, for NATO in order to provide, you know, to, uh, to Ukraine. I mean, he doesn't even understand. Could you imagine for four years this ass clown sat in the Oval Office? He was the leader of the free world. He doesn't even understand what NATO is about. He doesn't understand the budget. He doesn't understand what they do and the necessity of NATO. He wants to disband NATO. I mean, I can't imagine Sean Hannity. You know what? Fuck you, Sean for sitting there and not saying anything. Hold the man accountable for exactly what he needs to be held accountable for. And that's lying, bold-faced fucking lying to the American people. That's not what happened. And that's not what you did. And that's not what you want to do. He wants to disband NATO. And that was his whole goal. Oh, I want everybody to pay X, Y, and Z. The entire budget of NATO is not hundreds of billions of dollars. What is he talking about? And Sean sitting there and saying nothing and then trying to figure out how to move him off topic so that they can get to something like maybe the Mar-a-Lago flood of the pool or something like that, that he actually knows something about or like, you know, what temperature burger he likes. Everything else is just fucking winged it and right off the cuff. And none of it has any sense. None of it is accurate and none of it is for the benefit of you and me and this country. It's for the benefit of Donald. That's the crazy thing. And for Sean to say absolutely nothing, to sit there like a fucking lunk on a log, fuck you, Sean. <laughs> and we're recording this on the anniversary of D-Day. This is what President Biden posted earlier today, the troops who stormed the shores of Normandy 79 years ago represent the greatest generation in our history. They answered the free world's call at its greatest hour of need. They kept the ultimate faith to our country and democracy, and we must keep our sacred obligation to them. This was Donald Trump's post. Election interference, don't let it happen, exclamation point. That's what they both posted earlier. Can you go back to that? Because there's a point that I want to make about Donald's. Um, take a look what you're talking about. 4,250 retreats with 15,000 likes. Far from the millions that he was getting when he was on Twitter, right, with the millions and millions of retweets and posts and likes and so on. That's truth social or untruth social has no followers. That company, like all the others that Donald had, you know, put together in the past, you know, all would be soon out of business. They already are running out of money. Um, you know, at the end of the day, all right, Donald is a failure. He was a failure as a president. He's a failure as a human being. Where the fuck was Captain Bonespur when these people were fighting? putting their lives on the line for America, for American democracy. You know where he was? He was off there dancing, right? And I love it, you know, with his with his happy dance, as um, Bill Maher said. I think it was Bill Maher. Yeah, Bill Maher said that he looks like he's jerking off two guys at the same time. All right? That's what Donald was doing while these people, while these soldiers, these brave, 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 you know, 
men and women were there fighting for our country to save our democracy. And 79 years later, what is Donald doing? Captain Bonespur, he's out there trying to wreck democracy again. He's a guy who doesn't believe in the Constitution. All he believes in is himself and what, you know, whatever craziness comes to mind first. Shame on him. On today, not to, not to honor, not to honor the, right now the men and women of our military. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And 79 years to the day of the anniversary of D-Day, we have Russian forces, just as the brave and courageous Ukrainian forces seem to have launched their counter-offensive. Russia uh, then engaged in blowing up the dam, flooding the Kherson region. They destroyed the Kakova hydroelectric power plant uh, earlier this morning, causing massive, massive damage and destruction. We woke up seeing those videos and the MAGA Republican talking points, though, over and over again, are basically how do we not just appease Vladimir Putin, they want to promote Putin. This is Vivek Ramaswamy, who's the sweetheart of the modern-day MAGA Republican movement. This is what he said in an interview a few days back. Play this clip end of the Ukraine war on peaceful terms that, yes, do make some major concessions to Russia, including freezing the current lines of control in a Korean war-style armistice disagreement. Which Ukraine really wouldn't want to do. Which Ukraine wouldn't want to do, and also a permanent commitment not to allow Ukraine to enter NATO. He was asked a follow-up on another show, and this is what Vivek Ramasamway said about that statement. Play this clip. At the beginning, Vivek, you, you said that what you're really concerned about is this Sino-Russia uh, partnership. Yes. And you need to drive a wedge through it. What, you said yesterday that one of the ways you would try to drive a wedge through it is to make some concessions to Putin on Ukraine. You brought up Neville Chamberlain. He tried to do that with Hitler. Didn't work out very well. Why would it work out any better with Putin? Well, this is the equivalent of if we could go back and actually disrupt the German-Japan alliance. Boy, would we have wanted to do that at a time we could. So the way I look at this, John, is it's a reverse maneuver of what Nixon did with Mao. Mao was not some hero that we aspire to, some paragon of democracy. I don't trust Putin any more than Nixon trusted Mao, except this time Putin is the new Mao. Disrupt that alliance, move from a bilateral international order right now that favors China to a trilateral international order where there's no allies between the two ma three major nuclear so superpowers. But you talked about making concessions uh, with Russia on yes. Ukraine and maybe letting Putin have Donbass. What makes you think he would stop there? Well, because I think almost every military analyst that we have talked to on this program says, you give him Donbass, you give him time, he regroups, he rearms, and then he goes after the rest of the country. So carrot and a stick. I think the number one thing they need to do is exit the treaty that they have with China, dating back to 2001. No more joint military exercises or otherwise. And if he reneges, then we go back on the things that we said we would agree to give him, which is what we're saying is no Ukraine admission to NATO. Freeze the current lines of control. That's a Korean War-style armistice agreement. But if Putin reneges on that, now we're talking about a maximum pressure campaign in terms of economic sanctions. Now we're talking about immediate admission of Ukraine to NATO. And that will be worse off for him. And Putin has no incentive because right now he doesn't like being Xi Jinping's little brother in that relationship. So if we're actually 
reopening economic relations with Russia, if we're actually committing that Ukraine's never going to become part of NATO and freeze those lines of control, yes, those are major concessions, but it's in service of a bigger U.S. interest, and that is disrupting that partnership between Russia and China. You see, it's a carrot and a stick, Michael. I mean, the guy's an idiot. Idiot's a nice word to call him. This is a fucking imbecile who's sitting, again, as a member of Congress. This is the, he knows nothing about Russia, and he's and he knows even less about Ukraine. Putin doesn't stop. Putin's not stopping simply because he's taking over just the Donbass area. He's going to continue to move into the breadbasket of Ukraine to take the whole thing over. His sole goal, Putin's sole purpose is to reunite the former Soviet empire while he's still alive so that he could be the next czar. What is this fucking ass clown even talking about? This Jimmy Neutron jerk off. That's <laughs> he knows what he's saying. He has no goddamn clue. And the fact that good for Fox News, you know, every now and then I watch his, Fox News is beginning to do this. They're not allowing people like Ramaswamy here to turn around and just to speak without, you know, with, without being, um, you know, questioned and without, you know, they're, you know, holding the line because the because they, this Fox journalist fully understands after speaking to dozens and dozens of different um, military experts that that's not who Putin is. That's not what Putin wants. And this is, you think that by turning around and giving him the Donbass that's going to stop the alliance between Russia and China? Is he not aware that China needs desperately two things from Russia? First and foremost is oil. And second is food, right? I mean, does he not realize that? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Simply, and by the way, if Putin doesn't, if he doesn't agree and he doesn't do what we agreed to do, then we could re-engage. Really? Engage, re-engage, stop, re-engage, comment, discuss, and so on. How many more Ukrainian lives have to be lost? How many more Russian soldiers' lives have to be lost? You know, so many of these Russian soldiers, you may remember that they were just giving up. They were running away. They were abandoning their tanks and their positions because they didn't even know what they were getting themselves into. Their soldiers who were deployed to Ukraine that turned around and said, I don't want to be in this war. I don't want to fight this war. What do you think is going to happen when, what do they, I, I have a friend who's very, very well knowledgeable in this area. His comment to me is that there's almost 100,000 Russian soldiers that have died as a result of this fight with Ukraine. Do you know how angry that's going to make the wives or the mothers of these Russian soldiers that are never coming back? Do you recall, Ben and Brigaders, that there were so many bodies, Russian bodies, right, that they brought out into the field these mobile crematoriums because there was no time within which to bury them? Could you imagine telling the families of these soldiers that Putin sent to fight Ukraine for some half-baked brained idea on trying to reassemble the former Soviet Union and he's starting with Ukraine? Could you imagine how angry that these people are going to be?
How about this fact, Cohen, that in the entire Soviet war in Afghanistan, which lasted from around December of 1979 until February of 1989, about 15,000 Soviet soldiers were killed during the entire 10-year period, and already you have 10 times, perhaps even as many as 20 times, uh, as many Russian soldiers have been killed so far. Um, I want to address this yeah, that's greatly. The mobile, that's the mobile crematorium. I want to address this imagine, piece of... Could you imagine that you're the spouse or the parent of a fallen soldier that you don't even get the opportunity to bury, to have some closure, to have a place to go to honor your child, your spouse? Right? Could you imagine how angry that these people are? How angry that they have every right to be? And I bring this up again because today, again, the 79th anniversary of D-Day. You know, this is all about democracy and the fact that Trump can say the things that he says and do the things that he does. And there are still 30% of the Republican Party that is so entrenched into this cult of Donald J. Trump. These folks need to have their heads examined. Speaking of which, this is a bit of breaking news as we've been live on this podcast. A rare situation has uh, taken place in the House of Representatives where the Republicans essentially voted against their own bill, at least 11 Republicans, voted against the rules to debate their own bill about gas stove regulation. So the Republicans brought before the House of Representatives today a uh, rules vote so they can start discussing a vote that they wanted to later have about legislation on gas stove regulations because the MAGA Republicans created their own conspiracy theory that President Biden and Democrats are trying to take away gas stoves, which is simply false. So then they had to pass legislation. So this is actually the first time in over 20 years where a rule vote has failed in the House. And what the rule vote means is just even the vote to start debating to vote. And what happened was is some of the um, MAGA Republicans who were part of the Freedom Caucus group wanted to punish Kevin McCarthy to embarrass him for voting on the bipartisan debt ceiling bill. So they let Kevin McCarthy introduce the gas stove bill. Then they struck down his ability to even have the debate to make McCarthy look like an idiot, which he already looked like an idiot because he wanted to debate a gas stove regulation. This is what happened moments ago on the House floor. Play this clip. So once again, a rare situation we have here on the House floor now where the majority doesn't have enough votes to approve the rules for debating their legislation. In this case, members are voting on a combined rule that would govern debate on four bills blocking gas stove regulations and changing the federal rulemaking process. The numbers have not changed for at least the, the past 10 minutes. 11 Republicans now have voted against essentially moving forward with debate on the legislation. All Democrats have also voted against it. Republican leaders have been on the floor, we understand, having discussions with their members. 
The House needs to approve this rule to debate the bills for the week, including the bills scheduled to come up next to block gas fare regulation. If the rule is defeated here, we could see the House go into recess to figure out what to do next. And Democrats are responding to that. I'm going to play for you at least one of those responses. And, of course, we also got to talk about special counsel Jack Smith. You talked about a little bit earlier in today's episode about this incident where the maintenance worker at Mar-a-Lago drained the pool into the room where surveillance footage was being kept that was just subpoenaed by the Department of Justice. That happened in October of 2022. That and more, but first let's take this quick break. I have a big family, and that means there's usually a lot of trash left over by the time the work week comes to an end. And frankly, I used to feel a bit guilty about this, but then I got a Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's shakes for uh, 167 tips. How about blow me? How about blow me? How about blow me? (laughs) I can't fast forward because it's live. (gasps) Mommy! Bad mommy. Don't, Don't you dare. Beautiful Making sure that they're uh, fitting in. Try to get put the small baby smallest with the mom, but if she won't accept them, then take them away. You gotta take them away because uh, she can hurt them. Down when we took when we took the break, we talked about how these. MAGA Republicans first introduced a bill about gas stoves, and then some MAGA Republicans voted against it to even approve the rules to debate it in order to embarrass Kevin McCarthy. Democratic Congress member Jaron Moskowitz just uh, posted, first he goes, we need you, General Electric, to lead us into battle and save the war on gas stoves. And then Jared Moskowitz also posted, oh no, gas stoves put on the back burner. And uh, this was Jared Moskowitz yesterday, Democratic Congressman, superstar, freshman from Florida. This is what Jared Moskowitz said yesterday when the MAGA Republicans talked about introducing this piece of legislation. Obviously, we have one, not just one, but two gas stove bills. So my second amendment uh, would give gas stoves, I think, the honor that they deserve. Uh, <laughs> you know, a stainless steel, six-burner, double oven in Statuary Hall. Uh, no, we have uh, we have statues there that are made of marble and bronze, but we don't have anything of stainless steel. So I think this could be uh, the first one. Amendment number three helps ensure that the hours of hard work uh, do not go by the wayside on this issue. And so I propose creating a position in the U.S. Department of Energy for the sole purpose 
of fighting the war on gas stoves, this amendment would create this position in the department, the Supreme Allied Gas Commander, a position that young boys and girls can one day aspire to, just as they're sitting in class, maybe reading a book, hopefully a book that wasn't banned, or sitting in class, hopefully being safe, they could, they could think about the, being uh, one day the Supreme Allied Gas Commander. Now switching over to H.R. 1615, this amendment honors, uh, uh, honors this amendment. I also changed I'm in love with this guy. <laughs> Many of you already have the hats and shirts and flowers. <laughs> we would just make it easy uh, so that you could show uh, your support uh, for this amendment. And if you don't like that slogan, because that, you know, something of four years ago, uh, we can, my last amendment, uh, my second amendment on that one changes the name uh, to uh, Stoves Over Gun Violence Act. 2020, there were more than 40 million gas stoves. It's only about 10% of the amount of guns uh, that are on the streets. And so uh, I, I thought that maybe we could show parents really what our priority is, which is stoves uh, over gun violence. And finally, Mr. Chairman, Amendment 5 to HR 1615, uh, to kind of put us back on the right track, is uh, this amendment uh, would, would, tap, would take all the funds that are being used for the purpose of uh, this gas stove thing and redirect them uh, for gun violence prevention efforts. Uh, so, Mr. Chairman, uh, I appreciate uh, the committee considering my amendments. I yield back the balance of my. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. That is absolutely fantastic. I make appliances great again. You know, it is so stupid. I mean, the fact that they are fighting all this. Now, whether you like Kevin McCarthy or not, you do have to acknowledge that he was assistive with President Biden in resolving this debt ceiling issue. All right. It was bipartisan. All right. Yes, Biden should get the accolades because if, in fact, it failed, he would be the one being ridiculed for it. But it didn't. So you have to give everybody that was involved in making this thing happen, in ensuring that America did not default, that our economy didn't go belly up. Kevin McCarthy should have gotten a round of applause for his participation in that. This whole bullshit on the stove. I mean, seriously, you can't make this up. This is something like right out of South Park. And good for Moskowitz with his sense of humor, because that's really what it, it's so stupid that it's actually funny. But you know, I want to just go back for one quick second, Ben, and go back to what just happened over at Mar-a-Lardo, right, with the flooding of, you know, the room that had the, uh, the computers and so on into it. There's a great scene that was in, what do you call it, Succession. So, Salty, if you have that clip, there it is. Drain the pool into where? Right? I mean, everybody's now speculating that it was done on purpose. Here's the thing that Trump and his fools that surround him don't seem to understand. Just because you flood the, you know, the server or whatever else it is, I, I promise you that our law enforcement, Quantico, I mean, we really have the best of the best. Unless, of course, they ended up drowning the server in bleach or something that would destroy it. They will figure out how to get the information off of those servers as well. Um, I mean, the, the notion that these servers were on the floor, not raised, makes no sense to me either. But 
Look, number one is that you're dealing with. You're dealing with a guy with a very big brain, right? This is a guy who cognitively was able to pass all sorts of tests. All sorts of tests that nobody else could possibly test. Man, woman, child, camera, TV. I know it all. They asked, it's just amazing, right? This is the asshole that, could you imagine, is most probably going to be the Republican nominee. Shame on us. Shame on us as a country. And the maintenance worker who we believe was the individual who drained the pool into the room where the surveillance footage was kept in October of 2022, right after another subpoena was issued for surveillance footage and a preservation request around October of 2022, is the same surveillance, is the same maintenance worker who is moving the boxes with one of Donald Trump's other employees, Walt Nauta, on June 2nd, the day before the Department of Justice top counterintelligence official arrived at Mar-a-Lago. And this was the same maintenance worker who in or around July was asking the IT people at Mar-a-Lago who control uh, the surveillance footage, how the surveillance footage works. So there's a lot of data points connecting this maintenance worker from moving the boxes asking the person who controls the surveillance footage how it works, and then draining the pool into the room. Special Counsel Jack Smith is very much focused on that. And then we also learned about this other grand jury that has been impaneled in Southern Florida as well. We know about at least the two grand juries in Washington, D.C., one investigating Donald Trump's conduct relating to the January 6th insurrection and election interference, the other grand jury in Washington, D.C., about Donald Trump's theft of the thousands of government records and obstruction of justice, but another grand jury, this one in Southern Florida, doing a criminal investigation, special counsel Jack Smith and the feds presenting evidence there, also regarding Donald Trump's theft of documents uh, and obstruction of justice. But what we're learning is the reason that there is a grand jury in Southern Florida is a jurisdictional reason. Still the feds are the one who impaneled this grand jury, still in a federal courthouse, this one in the Southern District of Florida. But because it seems that a lot of the staff members at Mar-a-Lago who are represented by lawyers who are being paid for by Donald Trump's political action organizations. They are not cooperating and they are objecting on the basis of jurisdiction not to show up in Washington, D.C. We think that's the reason why Special Counsel Jack Smith and the DOJ were like, Okay, then we'll do a grand jury right next to you. So now it'll be more convenient for you to show up. And now you've done pissed us off. And, and you know, you don't piss off the DOJ like that. You know, the funny thing is they're going to turn around and Jack Smith is going to ask Donald and his people, what happened here? How did the water end up in this one specific area? And he's going to turn around and he's going to tell you that, what, what's his name, uh, Colonel Mustard is responsible, right? Because you know, while he was in the, uh, while he was in the library, he hit the wrong, you know, he hit the wrong on-off switch with the candlestick, which ultimately flooded out the room that contained the server. And he's going to say it with a straight face because he's so fucking insane that it is wild. I mean, the notion that they would do this now. I mean, look, we are all assuming that this is something that was done on purpose. There is a possibility that, you know, the uh, 
pool was improperly drained and why this guy's I'm, I'm I'm just trying to figure out why this maintenance worker at Marilardo was actually draining the pool. What was the purpose of it? Why would you drain the pool now? Is there a crack in the pool? Do they need to re-cement it? You know, this isn't where you could say, oh, it needed, you know, um, you know, chlorine in order to shock the pool so people can, you know, swim in it and it would be, uh, you know, safe and you wouldn't end up with some sort of a fungus or a bacteria, whatever, right? I'm curious to know why they were draining it in the first place. Nobody drains the pool. During the, you know, during the summer, you drain it, right, uh, at least here up north, you drain it after the summer so that you could prepare to close the pool. But there at Mar-a-Lardo, it's never closed. So I'm curious, you know, as to why they were doing it. I'm curious as to what happened. I'm curious whether or not this guy has ever done it ever before. Uh, I mean, there's so many questions that need to be answered here. And yes, we are poking fun at the fact you know, that there was this flood. I wonder how much he's going to put in insurance claiming for. We should all keep our eyes out for that one, too, right? But you know, it's nonsensical to me that t everything with Trump is about timing. And um, I can only imagine what's going to happen with um, this maintenance worker when U.S. government gets their paws on him and he's now facing under oath having to swear that, you know, this is what happened and so on. So let's before and I and I say this because, you know, while it is fun to talk about because it is so absurd, we really don't know all the full facts of what happened. It is absurd that the servers would be on the floor. It's absurd that this is the area that ended up getting flooded uh, after a short period of time that they were required to turn over, uh, you know, the hard drives or copies of the hard drives. There's so many questions that need to be answered, but we definitely should allow the process to work out and be fair about it. Because it's not necessarily, this is not the end all be all, Ben, of what's going to end up being the ultimate beatdown of Donald in the eyes of the courts, right? I mean, whether or not they have that additional documentation or not is irrelevant. I don't even understand the relevance. Personally, the fact of the matter is he had documents he was not authorized or permitted to have. He then turned around and told the government that they had returned them, all of them, which he did not. He had an attorney or two attorneys swear under oath that they searched and that they did a you know, a complete sweep and that there were no more documents. That turned out to be untrue as well. And then you have the raid, you have top secret documents, they find it, now they have a recording showing that he was actually talking about it, knew that he should not have had it, that he could not show the document despite the fact that he was talking about the document and providing information, uh, you know, to somebody who was not authorized to receive that information. He knew he was not, you know, president of the United States and that he could not declassify it simply by thinking it or just by having it. So he knew, you know, exactly what he was doing was inappropriate, that it was illegal. But nevertheless, he did it anyway. So the fact that they don't have these videos of the server, to truth be told, that's not going to stop Jack Smith from an indictment.
This is breaking right now from the New York Times. Among those who have appeared before special counsel's Washington grand jury in the past few months or have been subpoenaed by it, people familiar with the investigation said, are more than 20 members of Mr. Trump's Secret Service security detail as well. That is new information that we are learning here. Um, also, going back to what we reported earlier, how these MAGA Republicans try, basically embarrassed Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy um, voted to pass the debt ceiling bipartisan legislation. This is a report that just came out as well that 10 members of the so-called House Freedom Caucus will oppose all legislation that comes through the House until they get an agreement in writing from Kevin McCarthy to go back to the January agreement. And this was retweeted by Lauren Bober. For those people watching, you can see uh, up there that, that this is a Lauren Bober retweeted. I guess she considers herself, even though her policies are completely against freedom, that's part of their gaslighting. So what seems that's going to happen now with this MAGA Republican infighting, because a bill was passed to prevent the destruction of our economy as they're going to keep shooting down all of Kevin McCarthy's bills to embarrass him. So kind of the same way we saw Kevin McCarthy go through those 14 rounds where they voted against him for becoming speaker and he had to stand there each and every time. That is the present condition of the modern day Republican party um, engaging in mean, incompetent, fascist, idiocracy, and you just compare that to someone like uh, Democratic Congress member Jared Moskowitz, who is bright and diligent and focused on issues that matter. The yeah, Democratic like leader, Raskin, I think Jeffries, Jamie Raskin. Yeah, like Jamie Raskin, who did the same thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's so many qualified Democrats that are, you know, responding to the needs of America, and yet they're fighting with Republicans like the Lauren Oberts, the Marjorie Toilet Greens, and so many others who just, they just see the chaos as beneficial to themselves. And you know something, Ben? One of the big problems that I want to see come to an end, the reason that Donald is still getting the attention that he's getting is because other than Alvin Bragg, nobody else has brought those indictments uh, yet as against him. And again, I'm talking about criminally, not civilly. As you know, our unsinkable attorney general here in New York, Tish James, has, uh, you know, this case is coming up to trial very, very soon. Um, this is enough is enough already. He would not be in the position that he's in if these indictments started coming down one after the other after the other, which is exactly what needs to happen. Why are we holding off? How much more information do you need? Do you need to cover every single improper, illegal action that he's done before which you bring the indictment? And I say the answer to that is fuck no. The answer is no. It's an emphatic no, no, no. There is more than enough information. There's more than enough documentary evidence. There's more than enough, you know, um, sworn testimony that can be used in order to move forward expeditiously with this trial 
against Trump for the Mar-a-Lardo documents, for the stolen um, documents, for the obstruction of justice, and so on. I mean, what are we doing? At some point in time, you don't have to get them on everything. And they make a big deal. Oh, now all of a sudden, you know, they had a flood at Mar-a-Lardo. Who gives a fuck? That case should have already been started. And if you need to bring a superseding indictment because something really super, you know, pops up or some new information that's really significant pops up, great. Then that's what they should do. But right now, just bring the fucking indictment already. Stop putzing around. Because the more time that goes by that you don't bring the indictment, the closer we get to the election, which is when they're going to turn around back over and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it is unwritten policy that the DOJ will not do anything when it's within X number of days of, you know, of an election. This is, this is no good. And Donald is already trying that with my, with my civil, with the lawsuit, the $500 million lawsuit. I mean, he's supposed to be deposed, believe it or not, at the end of the month. Clearly, he's not going to allow it. They're going to bring some sort of a protective order. He's going to do what he does well, super well. He is the master of the delay tactic. So the closer, the faster that we get this indictment going, right, the closer it will be to getting a trial before, right, the day, you know, of, of election or the time period that the DOJ determines that it's too close in order to, you know, in, in order to bring the case because you don't want it to affect the outcome of an election. I mean, this is why they need to move already. You have the info, work with it. I love when Michael Cohen just throws in like a critical piece of breaking news and just like kind of buries it in an incredible rant that you've set <laughs> you've set Donald Trump's deposition for later this month. We knew that you were going to be asking for his deposition in the case, but you've now officially requested that Donald Trump be deposed before the end of the month. That's big news. So I just wanted to make sure that we all heard that because I certainly heard that and you're nodding yes. So I'm taking as that that's what happened. Also, another piece of big news, special counsel Jack Smith was finally seen. You know, we have him in that outfit where uh, he's where he was in The Hague, but like we've never seen the guy actually walking uh, in Washington, D.C. and NBC news reporter uh, caught him as he was walking into uh, his office as things continue to heat up there. Um, and I do want to make sure, though, that all the media is being very respectful of Jack Smith's safety, though, as well, with all of the hate being thrown his way by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Donald Trump was evidently told by his lawyers that he should expect an indictment fairly soon, because we're seeing those exact same social media posts by Donald Trump that he made when he was about to be indicted by the Manhattan District Attorney. He basically just changes the name and like the disgusting thing that he calls the prosecutor. Um, he called Alvin Bragg like animal scum or something. And he's calling here Jack Smith Marxist and fascist. So it's just plug and play the hate that he spews so you could put that one up right there the marxist and fascist and the doj and fbi are going after me at a level and speed never seen before in our country blah 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 blah, blah. just a bunch of uh whining and complaining and then finally the timing is so important here cohen as well because you've got people like jim jordan in the 
Judiciary Committee and these MAGA Republicans now trying to interfere with special counsel Jack Smith's investigations. And again, it's like right out of their playbook. This is what they did right as the Manhattan District Attorney was about to indict. This is what they're doing as special counsel Jack Smith's about to indict. They're asking Merrick Garland, provide us all the information, give us the identities of all of the FBI officers, everybody on Jack Smith's team, because ultimately they want to dox those people and engage in the stochastic terrorism that they engage in. They have no ideas for the American people, right? They're not talking about jobs. They don't give a shit about our economy. They're not talking about social security and veterans. They're not protecting equality. They're not protecting seniors. They're not protecting students. They're not protecting the LGBTQ plus community. Quite the contrary. They are attacking all these marginalized groups as well. And all they know how to do is stochastic terrorism and perpetuating this idiocracy. Final word of the show for you, Michael Cohen. You know, the final word of the show, again, goes right back to accountability, right? We all need to ensure that Donald Trump and his acolytes are held accountable for the multitude of things that are currently, you know, confronting Trump as far as, you know, the court system is concerned. And I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued support. Thanks to you guys. And I still need more support to my GoFundMe. That's why we're going to be dealing and getting Donald's deposition. He could fight it all he wants. He is the plaintiff in the case. The plaintiff in the case is obligated to move the case forward. Now, he's going to want to keep, you know, a gag order on this. That's not what I want. I believe in transparency. I believe that not only should my brigaders, of course, you'll be the first to know, but not only will my brigaders know what's going on, but the whole country should know. This is not just a matter of, you know, Michael Cohen, Donald Trump, oh, this is some sort of a conflict. This goes way bigger than that. And this is something of national importance. In fact, some could even make the argument that it's internationally important, because if this man somehow manages to get back into the Oval Office, democracy as we know it will not exist. And I don't say that to be hyperbolic. I say it because it's true, because I know the man better than anyone. And I know what he's looking to do. I know what he wants to do to this country. And all you need to do sometimes is look and listen to the to the words that come out of Donald's mouth, where he said, we need to rewrite the Constitution. Now, mind you, that was an off the cuff comment, because he's too stupid to just read off of the teleprompter. So he went off the cuff. And that's what he really wants to do. He wants to rewrite the Constitution so that he could remain in power ad infinitum and then be able to pass it down as if this country is a monarchy, a, you know, a dictatorship. And so that's not what we want. And that's why, again, we're going to all need to band together. Please share this show with your friends. We need millions of viewers. Right. Millions of viewers. So that way, when we call a meeting to D.C. so that our voices can be heard, so that we could ensure that when we do a call to action, that the brigaders are there front and center into the millions to ensure that, you know, that Donald never comes close to, you know, Washington, D.C. ever again. Let him stay in, you know, in Mar-a-Lardo. Let him stay in home confinement or wherever else that he's going to be. 
as long as he's not in the Oval Office, that should be good for not just the country, but for the world. What I love about political beatdown is spending time with you, Michael Cohen, and the Brigaders, because political beatdown, like all of the other programs we have here on the Midas Touch Network, is not simply a show. It is a community, and the community is not possible without all of you watching, without all of you listening. This is a community of brigaders, pro-democracy brigaders who care about truth, who care about honesty and integrity and compassion and humanity, and calling out these bad actors, calling out these fascists and using our voice uh, to make a difference. So as Michael Cohen said, please share political beatdown with friends, family, co-workers, anybody you know, post it on social media, spread the word about this pro-democracy community. As Michael Cohen also referenced in the description of this YouTube page, we have the GoFundMe for the Legal Defense Fund for Michael Cohen, set up by my good friend Adam Parkamenko and others in the pro-democracy community. He's a, All friend, that he's a friend of ours. Friend of ours, absolutely, in the pro Friend of mine or friend of ours? Friend of ours here in the pro-democracy community. Um, so check out that link. Um, 